I have a question for you. Have you ever been deceived? Have you ever fallen prey to false advertising? This is a house that was listed uh, about a year ago in Australia. It doesn't look too bad, maybe not exactly what you'd like, but it looks quite a bit different than that. If you can tell, that's the same house, technically, but there's a big round, I don't know if that's a water tower or what exactly that is, but that's a little different from that, isn't it? Has anybody had this experience? A house looks great online, and then you, you go and you drive past, and all of a sudden there's these huge power lines or whatever it is. I don't know, there was some question in the article whether this person would be prosecuted or not. Fast food, appearance versus reality. I'm not advocating for fast food. In fact, perhaps from the pictures, you'll see maybe it's exactly the opposite. It never quite comes in the package like it shows on the picture. I saw how in some of these, it takes about four hours to get just right, and they use glue for mayonnaise and all kinds of different things. Mashed potatoes uh, are used in place of ice cream, and, and the list goes on and on. Here are some girls, it's kind of small here, but they were looking forward to this up here, and they got in their backyard, and it was a little bit different. Kids, have you ever had that experience? Here's another one. Man, that pool looks like fun. Yeah, it's just not the same as in the picture, Mom. False advertising. Here's another one for only $129. Floats on water, protect your phone, and they have a display, and the phone's at the bottom of the fish tank. Hmm, okay, false advertising. Here's another one for rope that you could get at Lowe's or something. There's a picture of a climber on the packaging, and then you turn it over, and it says, not suitable for climbing. <laughs> yeah, okay, thanks. Appreciate that uh, little helpful piece of information. Nonstick frying pan. <laughs> yeah, this is a real winner here. Thank you for that or this uh, six-foot green Canadian pine tree. I mean, that looks really nice. That would spruce up the living room, make it look cozy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, granted, maybe if we revived it a little bit, it could look a little better, but I don't think we're ever gonna get that 16-foot green Canadian pine tree that's in the picture. Oh my, so we're somewhat continuing this series today, Why I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. This is not so much a reason today as maybe a PS to the last one that we talked about. Uh, we've talked about various reasons. We've talked about because the truth matters. I'm not going to get into some of those. We've talked about because our message is a safeguard to end-time deceptions. Uh, there was a whole sermon based on that. These are online, by the way, on our church website, and you can download those in MP3, listen to them on your phone or wherever you are later. Another reason, part three, is because God called the remnant church to preach the three angels' message to the world, and today is kind of a PS of that, if you will. What happens when we don't share? What happens when we don't give this message that God has given to us? And so I've entitled today's small mini-sermon, When the Truth Stagnates. Now, it's not that there's anything wrong with the truth, just like there's nothing wrong with those oranges that you brought home or those potatoes or whatever it is. Has anybody left potatoes in a place and then you smell something a little later? Yeah, not a good smell. Or like the compost pile or like our, our pond, for instance. It's a beautiful piece of water to look at, but it's not one of those I want to jump in and swim in because it's 
stagnates, it's stagnated, it's, it's not moving. And, and so when anything is ever just sitting still, it's not used maybe for its intended purpose, it can stagnate. And, and then you get some of these other critters that come along with it sometimes. So if you brought your Bibles, I'm going to look at a passage of Scripture where there was some false advertising, if you will. And Jesus didn't appreciate it any more than you and I when it came to this sort of thing. And so we read about it in Mark chapter 11. We're going to pick up the story now in verse 12. This is the day following. Jesus, he spent all night in prayer the night before. We read about that in Luke 19. And here now he's on his way. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 12 of Mark chapter 11. Now the next day when they had come out of Bethany, he, Jesus, was hungry. Anybody here ever get hungry? And when you're hungry, you're looking for food. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And so you might read that and you might say, well, what's the big deal? I don't see what the problem is. The problem is this. This tree, this one singular fig tree, seemed to be in advance of all the others because it had leaves. The others did not, but this tree did. And it stood out, and Jesus said, ah, there's a tree with leaves on it. Why is that significant? Because for the fig tree, before the leaf opens, the fruit appears. So the idea is a fig tree in leaf gives the impression that the fruit is going to be far along, and maybe I can get something for my hunger. Does that make sense? But its appearance was deceptive. And so we keep reading verse 14. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. I imagine this surprised Jesus' disciples. They refer to it later as Jesus cursing the fig tree. I mean, this is strange for this son of God that they have come to know, who says things like, I have not come to condemn the world, but to save it. The son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Other places, he says, I delight in showing mercy and take no pleasure in the destruction of the wicked. He was a restorer. He was a healer. He'd never used his authority before to tear down and to destroy. Why had Jesus done this? What was his purpose? Well, we keep reading. Verse 15. So they came to Jerusalem, the main epicenter, if you will, of the Jewish nation. And then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. The purpose Jesus had for his people was not being fulfilled. And the proof of that we find in verse 18. And the scribes and the chief priests heard about it and became humble and repented. Is that what your Bible says? They sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. And when evening had come, he went out of the city. 
the Jews, stood distinct from all other nations. They professed allegiance to God, were specifically favored, laid claim to righteousness above all people. They had a magnificent temple, sacred altars, impressive ceremonies, and an outward appearance. It looked good, but they were lacking in humility and in love and compassion and generosity. They had become corrupted by love of the world and greed and selfish gain, and they boasted in their knowledge that was here, but never seemed to pass down to here, and certainly not to here. It was in their heads, but not in their hearts, or carried out in their hands. Like the barren tree that spread its pretentious branches, luxuriant in appearance, beautiful to the eye, but yielding nothing but leaves. And so in verse 20, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Why did he not curse the other trees? They too were destitute of fruit. Well, for the simple reason that they had not raised an expectation. They didn't cause any disappointment. And it was the same with the Jews. They professed to serve God. They professed to have a special message. And Jesus comes hungry. He had come to Israel hungering to find in them fruits of righteousness. He had lavished on them gifts. Every opportunity, every privilege had been granted these people. And in return, he sought their sympathy and their cooperation in his work to see in them self-sacrifice and compassion and zeal for God and yearning for the souls and salvation of their fellow men. I mean, that's the whole idea of fruit. It's the reproduction agent of the tree. But pride and self-sufficiency was what drove them. Had they loved God, they would have been part of the same unselfish work that Christ did. Here's a quote from Desire of Ages, page 583. They brought ruin upon themselves by refusing to minister to others. The treasures of truth which God had committed to them, they did not give to the world. Friends, do we, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, have treasures of truth? Is it possible at times we're not sharing them with the world? How are you all different? Oh, we're not different. We're the same. I went to an Adventist church. The, the sermon sounded the same. The preaching was the same. Everything was the same, 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 same. If folks, everything, if everything is the same, then what is the point or the reason or the purpose of the Seventh-day Adventist church? We have treasures of truth which God has entrusted to us. In fact, that's what makes us who we are. That's what makes us the remnant. The fact that all the truths have been uncovered. It's not that we're just another denomination. We talked about that. It's that we have a message that the world needs to hear. And so this idea of Jesus, period, all, period. I like Jesus. But we need to be preaching everything that Jesus preached. Here's a quote. The third angel's message comprehends a vast field containing heavenly treasures. That's what the third angel's message has. It has heavenly treasures. No one can be excused who says, I will no longer have anything to do with these special messages. I will preach Christ. Does that seem startling to you? To say for those around us, well, it's just about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus only. But I don't want to talk about any specifics. No one can be excused who says, I'll no longer have anything to do with these special messages. We have treasures of truth. 
and we need to share them. Another one, Manuscripts Releases, volume 19, page 41. The three angels' messages is what she's talking about here. We are not only to read and understand this message, but to proclaim it with no uncertain sound to the world. Are we doing that? Or are we just sitting on the message? Is the message just kind of stagnating? Is it kind of like that old saying, when fishermen don't fish, they fight? Have you heard that? And sometimes I think, as an Adventist church, we're sitting on our message. We're ashamed of our message. And the message is the power of this whole movement. With no uncertain sound, we're supposed to proclaim this message. Continuing, by presenting these things revealed to John, we shall be able to stir the people. The usual subjects on which the ministers of nearly all other denominations dwell will not move them. Now that gets my attention. Do we have things in common with people of other denominations? Yes, we do. But they don't have the same end-time relevance that our message has. And so it's not that they're completely different from us, but we have an end-time perspective that they don't have. We have an end-time message, a safeguard that they don't have. And we need to be sharing it. We must proclaim our God-given message to them. The world is to be warned by the proclamation of this message. If we blanket it, if we hide our light under a bushel, if we so circumscribe ourselves, that means keep it all to ourselves, that we cannot reach the people, we are answerable to God for our failure to warn the world. Are you a Seventh Avenue? Well, now we have other counsel that we don't have to start out with our most distinctive. We're supposed to tell them that we are Christian, that we have a desire for their souls, and so on and so forth. But we need to also get to this message, this unique aspect of our message. And we need to pray for wisdom of when it's that time to share. Because it's up to us. God has given this message to us. Not to hide it under a bushel. And sometimes I'm fearful that perhaps we could be that tree with all the leaves, but no fruit. No fruit. Because we're sitting on the message instead of sharing it. To whom much is given from him, much will be required, Jesus said. Matthew 15, 8, those people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I don't want that to describe me. Do you? Here's another one. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. It is possible as a Seventh-day Adventist church, we can have a form of godliness, but we can deny the power of God and what he longs to do in this time in earth's history because we're content with form. Do we really have the message if it's just on a shelf somewhere? Do we really have anything if we're not sharing it? Luke 19, 41 and 42 Jesus wept in anguish over the doomed city. Let's read about it. Now he drew near. He saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace. Jesus was so upset and bothered and disturbed that his own people were blind to their role. It says in Matthew 23, Parallel account, verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. Could that be said of our church today? O Seventh-day Adventists, O Seventh-day Adventists. 
those who kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to them with a message for our time. How often I wanted to gather, Jesus says, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under the wings, but you were not willing. Jesus said that with tears about his people in his time. Again, in Desire of Ages, 587, in this generation there are many who are treading on the same ground as were the unbelieving Jews. God sends them warnings and reproof, but they are not willing to confess their errors, and they reject his message and his messenger. And the very means he uses for the recovery becomes to them a stone of stumbling. Again today, I believe Jesus is hungry. Hungry for people that are transparent to his will. Hungry for people willing to be part of this total member involvement. To freely give the treasures of truth that we have been entrusted, the three angels' messages of Revelation 14, to give them boldly with conviction and with compassion. That's what we've been raised up to do. And so today is communion. And I challenge you to ask God, give me new zeal. A new understanding of what it means to be a Christian, a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. What does it mean to represent him in this community in which I live and work? And ask, Lord, how can I just, not just walk the walk or talk the talk, but how can I be a real, transparent, self-sacrificing, reproducing Seventh-day Adventist Christian that represents you in the right way? And so again... In just a few moments, we're going to divide up for the service of humility. In fact, we're going to do that just now. But I believe to do that effectively, it starts with humility. Submitting to Christ. Submitting our weaknesses to Him. Clinging to Christ and His power to forgive and to transform. And His power to work through us to take this message to the world. We can't do it alone. But He never asked us to. He said, lo, I am with you always until the very end of the age. He promises to be with us, to guide us, to direct us. Dear Heavenly Father, it has been good for us to be here. We thank you for your willingness to extend yourself fully for us. We don't deserve it. In no way were we entitled to it, but you offered it. And we don't want your blood in your body to go in vain. For us, And so we claim that. We claim your forgiveness. We claim your cleansing. We claim your grace that not only pardons us, but empowers us to live for you. Be with us as we leave this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.